Well, hi, and welcome back, Sailorville Church and beyond, to our uh, weekly podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, it's my incredible privilege and honor this afternoon, uh, wherever you're watching this, however you're consuming this content, uh, I'm so glad that you're here with us. And uh, it's, it's really a, a special day for me because I get to introduce you folks um, to the very first mentor, the very first discipler uh, that I ever had right here on, on my right, and actually changed my diapers, um, which makes makes us very, very close. This is my dad, John Jackson. I gave uh, you birth. <laughs> no, you did not give me birth. That's not how that works. Even didn't even work way back then like that. <laughs> uh, this is my dad, and uh, John and Penny Jackson are familiar to some of you that have been around Sailorville for a little while, um, but uh, a little bit more on that later. But I want to kind of start our conversation here about the church by reading a passage that we uh, focused on a couple Sunday mornings ago, Acts chapter 2, verse 41, and then a couple of verses after that. And we talked about the the early church, you know, the first group of believers that God brought together as as that first church and what they were well, the passage uses the word devoted, what they were committed to, so what they prioritized. And here's what we discovered, Acts chapter 2, verse 41. So those who had received his word were baptized. So, so men and women got saved, and then they uh, expressed outwardly their inward confession uh, in baptism. And there were added to that day about 3,000 souls. And then verse 42 kind of unpacks this regular rhythm of these New Testament believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. And teaching and fellowship are really the two primary priorities there, the activities. And then fellowship is sort of broken down into this idea of communion or breaking of bread, and then to prayers as well. So teaching and to fellowship. Um, and we're going to talk this afternoon about what kind of what that looks like in churches, maybe overseas and even around the country here and in other cultures. Um, but before we do that, just kind of explain your relationship here with Sailorville, because you and mom lived in Iowa for a little bit. Not, I, I didn't. Uh, I was out of the house and married at that point. Um, but we actually uh, kicked you out. Yeah, that's a that's a story for another podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, that's not, that's not this family, right? <laughs> no. uh, so you lived here and attended Sailorville, and I guess just talk about those days back in the early 2000s, and then now that you're back living in the area again, um, what's what's different? What's changed about Sailorville, if anything? And uh, just un unpack that a little bit for yeah, us, Dad. We, we really enjoyed our four years here at Sailorville uh, Baptist Church, early 2000s. Um, uh, it was a joy to be part of the church. We become members. <clears throat> uh, was involved with evangelism or outreach, and sometimes with the youth group. Uh, uh, Pastor Pat was here. Uh, we remember uh, Pastor Abe, mm -hmm. of course, and some other dear folks that were that were here at that time. Um, Sailorville wasn't quite as large back then as it is is now, and uh, Penny and I, your mom, uh -huh. uh, attribute that to um, the strong evangelism outreach here. Uh, and it just kept growing and growing. We saw it beginning to do that when we were here. Um, so we're glad to be back in in the neighborhood uh, permanently. Uh, been around the world about six times since we left, but uh, we're we're back. Um, 
I think you said, Dad, you either get back here or you'll never see Judah again. <laughs> Something like that. So there's, a, there's a draw to see grandkids, and you've got several in the area right now. Yeah, so, sure. yeah, we're glad that you're here. And so is Judah. <laughs> yeah. Well, not only is uh, Sailorville Church uh, increased in size or attendance, but its outreach is even greater. Huh. Um, and to be a part of this work for the short time that we are here <clears throat> before we move, uh, it's it's also a, a privilege to do that and to see, uh, you know, to see you operate here as a pastor is is certainly uh, heart wrenching in terms of uh, joy and pleasure to see you. Heart wrenching in terms of me not doing it right. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't think I meant it that way. <laughs> yeah. uh, so um, the 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 outreach has increased the discipleship. Uh, we were here when the first church was being planted right, from right. Sailorville. Yeah, Lakeside. Lakeside. Yep. <clears throat> so to see uh, four more churches, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, you've got five. And one five, more coming, yeah. Yeah, one more coming. Um, is, a, is, a, is tremendous. It's incredible. And it's because of uh, an Acts 2 mentality. Mm. Um your culture here that you folks uh, as a church has created is is very biblical um and so it's it's going to once you give out the gospel something's got to happen Mm. it won't return to us void Mm -hmm. so the more you give it out uh, the more you'll see uh, fruit now that doesn't mean there won't be any bumps in the road as you do that you know jason the passage that you read is uh foundational for every church planner and this is what they hope boy our first sunday we may see three thousand people here Uh, that'd be a pretty serious launch sunday wouldn't it yeah yeah far from the actual uh practicality of that in south africa where we were and where you grew up um the culture was and still is at that point uh and that it's slow um you're a foreigner yeah and so you come into something like uh, South Africa or anywhere, and and people need to, they need to trust you, and the trust begins to unfold into love, and then they'll follow you. And but hardly did we see three thousand in any of the four churches that we planted. But we're glad that uh, Sailorville is still on track mm-hmm. and and doing what it's supposed to be doing. Well, we just talked in our staff meeting, even just today here at Sailorville. We we don't want to take um, what God is doing for granted, and we we uh, my goodness, we certainly don't want Him to um, take His hand off of off of His ministry here. And we just want to do what He wants us to do. We're we're not always great at that, but we want we want to do better yeah. uh, at that. We really do want to see more people be more like Jesus, and um, I believe that's true of of what we're trying to do. And God has blessed that. Like you said, God blesses when you share his word. And yeah. even as we said a couple Sundays ago during this Acts 2 message, you know, churches that honor God preach the gospel and then and then practice the gospel. You talked about South Africa a little bit, and we'll, we'll get into that part of your story and what you saw there and, and really around the world in missions and ministry and churches and in individuals' lives um, beyond this country. But take us back even further than that to how you knew that God wanted you and then maybe you and mom together in full-time ministry yeah. and, and then yeah. specifically missions. And I wasn't around for some of that time. So this is a fun story uh, for me to hear as well. <laughs> yeah, I was saved at 13. Um, 
and then went to Bible college uh, following that. But uh, between 13 and when we uh, got to Bible college, where Penny and I met, uh, I really grew in the Lord. I was in an excellent uh, church back in Binghamton, New York, where I grew. I had people that loved me. My mom and dad were not really faithful or dedicated to church, so I had men, especially men, that put their arms around me, uh, literally, in mm. church. And I was, my brother and I were the only ones there out of the family. So they, they mentored me, they loved me, uh, they fathered me spiritually. So I really, really grew. And uh, when I could come home from sports at night from the high school, I went right into the scriptures. Uh, nobody was begging me to do that. Nobody was over my shoulder. Hardly was dad telling me to do yeah. that. So I grew rather quickly over those high school years. And, and the Lord uh, placed it upon my heart a burden for lost souls. Mm -hmm. And I remember giving my my present and my future to his ministry, hardly knew how to even spell the word. But, and then later on, as a 16-year-old, as and then around 17, uh, up in the barn one day with my horses, I uh, just fell to my knees and, and uh, said, Lord, wherever you want me. And it seemed to be rather not only appropriate, but rather obvious that uh, God was leading me to, to missions and uh, particularly Africa. So then on to Bible school, majored in missions. A lot of mentoring there, mm -hmm. a lot of sweet people that loved Penny and I where we met there. And uh, uh, mom gave her gave her life uh, during a mission conference there at uh, Bible College and really, really uh, committed herself to the Lord uh, in that aspect. So... Uh, God worked in both of our hearts and uh, expressed it that way. And now you weren't initially thinking about going to South Africa, right? No, it, it was it was somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. And God worked it out that uh, He took you south. Yeah. yeah, and and possibly part of the influence on my life for Africa was not going on an, uh, a short term trip, but loving the outdoors, mm -hmm. loving animals, and anything <laughs> I knew from TV or books I studied was. Was that's that's what it was, and uh, I wanted to bring the gospel to the Africans. Mm. But as you say, later on, God was leading different men to my and women to my to our lives that would influence us for South Africa, and so that's where we we ended up. Um, How many years planting churches? Uh, we were there fourteen years, and four churches were planted. Uh, the third and fourth one, that you're well aware of, uh, merged because of proximity mm -hmm. uh, after we left um, and had some wonderful uh, people that came over to help us um, uh, that were missionaries with our mission, and they carried on um, our, our works. But they're still going. You know, those three, three churches, four, third and four merged, but they're, they're still going. They have indigenous pastors. They have uh, church buildings, and during our short-term ministry years where we would take teams, uh, we would go back and see how, or we would go and minister with these churches. So, yeah, it was a, it's a real blessing. You know, it's all God's work. And... You know, sometimes people ask me, what, what was it like growing up 
most of the time they say, what was it like growing up in Africa, right? And we have this picture of, yeah. you know, elephants all yeah. over the place and lions in the backyard, if you even have a backyard or whatever. And it wasn't like that, of course. Very civilized, mm -hmm. first world mm -hmm. country in a, in with third world pockets, yeah. basically. Very much but, like Sailorville. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Except for the elephants. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but but a better question that I get asked is, what was it like growing up as a missionary kid or in a in a pastor's mm -hmm. home and, you know, a church leader's house? What was that like? And, I, you know, I, I don't know the experience of every pastor's kid, but for me, it was I loved it. That's that's all mm -hmm. I knew. Mm -hmm. That's what I that's what I knew. And you and mom showed a, a fantastic example of that, as as a lot of other ministry mm -hmm. parents do. Some don't, um, but some do. And. So when people ask me, when did you start to feel called towards some kind of ministry? It was it was really early on, and it's partly because that was just such a joy growing up watching, and having people as a part of our lives, and and watching church, and in a sense, the same kind of ideas. This, this New Testament church, right? A, a group mm. of people coming together mm. that were from maybe even different cultures and different environments and different traditions and different backgrounds, and coming out of that and forming this family uh, that was called the church as, as new believers. Uh, and we got to see that in South Africa, as many other people do across the world, and even in our country and church planting and stuff. But we sometimes have this picture in our American Western you know, lens as we read the Bible that it looked exactly like what our churches look like, right? And in some ways, some, some of our churches do look like this, but... Uh, Help us to break that mold a little bit. Um, what what do churches overseas, in in missions, maybe even in different cultures than Sailorville, uh, what do they do to practice some of these biggies that we see in the New Testament church, like being devoted to teaching mm -hmm. and, and being devoted to fellowship and and really forming that community and uh, and learning and, and living together? What are some examples, I guess, of churches not like our church? that are still doing the right thing, yeah. just doing it in ways that we're not familiar with. Yeah. <clears throat> Acts 2, and your sermon the other day, um, really sets the platform for any church planting uh, program or movement around the world. doesn't matter what culture you're in, um, who the people are. That, that is God's uh, profile or platform uh, to do that. Um, but we're finding, uh, well, we have found over the years that uh, as as missionaries or church planners enter a foreign culture to them, <clears throat> we need to really be absolved. Uh, we need to absorb their culture uh, until it violates the scripture, of course. But to be able to church uh, plan a church uh, in an Acts two setting, uh, under an Acts two setting, uh, we we really need to. Uh, love those people mm. and come alongside of them. And as I mentioned before, let them know that we're here to stay. Uh, what hurts church planning in cross-cultural ministries the most is is uh, church planners on, on that field or that location for a year, a year and a half, and right. then whatever reason they return. Um, they're, uh, to, not to be pessimistic, but... I haven't found a church planning uh, church that has fallen perfectly into Acts 2. <laughs> However, in saying that, the culture that you are bringing up and are 
and some of the third world cultures that we have personally been involved in and loved, uh, there are aspects of that third world culture uh, of which we didn't, in the 14 years, as you said, we were not working with third world people, even though I was the director in South Africa for third world church planners and uh, and church movements. Uh, but we, <clears throat> we uh, found ourselves um, being absorbed by the culture uh, and trying to teach what is there. And that third world, because of, because of who they are, boy, once they get saved, they, they, they seem to flow into Acts 2 a lot quicker than our American or Western culture, whether it be Europe or here in the States. Hmm. So in a sense, Jason, it's, uh, I wouldn't say easier, but we are seeing uh, Acts 2 implemented uh, a, a little better, maybe in, an, in a third world. Hmm. Now, as you mentioned, too, our, our South Africa ministry and where you lived and were brought up, uh, very much like Sailorville, a very first world. And so we, we tried to inculcate the uh, Acts 2 program uh, into it and into our churches. And you don't go away because you don't get every verse, uh, Acts 2, into your church planning ministry. But you don't walk away guilty, but you, you just continue to, to work hard um, yeah. to, to assimilate these people into an Acts 2 type of... They, because of their culture, because of their living uh, positions with each other, their neighborhood, their villages, it seems to uh, be able to um, to move into an Acts 2 a lot, lot, lot better. Yeah, I, so I, in, in some ways, like, it, we live in the Des Moines metro, you know, and then there's places in the Des Moines metro <laughs> right here in Ankeny, let's say, where... Uh, you know, you, you drive out of your garage in the morning, you lift the door up, and then you, you, you press the button, it goes back down, you drive out to work, and you come back, and you lift the door up, and it goes back down, and you don't ever see anybody, and the, that mm. whole idea of, of community is, in some senses, true community at least, is very foreign to some of our culture, where maybe the idea of community is much more natural to exactly. people in, in other cultures, yeah. and so in some ways that makes this yeah. that makes this um, theology and philosophy of needing each other it's a little bit more of the default for mm-hmm. people in other yeah, cultures. True. I remember, you know, <clears throat> I was just thinking of the story of uh, um, most of our ministry, at least the ministry that I remember when I was growing up, was with um, first world type civilization people. Um, and, and very much like our culture here, uh, you know, from a housing and economic and jobs and stuff like that standpoint. But I remember getting on the back of the, the old motorcycle and driving mm-hmm. up into the mountains and throwing candy out in a soccer ball. And we'd, we'd have all kinds of people um, just, you know, flocking all over, probably because of the candy. Uh, but getting to talk to them and, um, you know, sometimes not even knowing the same language, mm-hmm. uh, but but being together and, and showing love and sharing love and... and uh, just starting to see people from very, very different cultures and sharing Jesus with them. And that was part of, you know, a lot of the lessons that we learned growing up. And even though our primary ministry was not with people up up in the villages and in the mountains, that was uh, an important part of of our growing up. Now, listen, not everybody's a church planter, and not everybody is what we would call a sort of a big M vocational ministry uh, 
uh, leader or even a missionary. Um, so how, do, how does the, you know, the single mom or the teenage kid or the, the young adult or the, the guy that works 60 hours a week in the factory and comes home at night, how, how do they do this that we're talking about? How can they personally live out this, you know, being devoted to the gospel, being devoted to teaching, being devoted to community? How can they spend their lives for these types of things without being a full-time missionary sure. or church planter? Sure, sure. And that, that's not a strange question to God uh, in terms of uh, uh, how does a non-ministerial uh, person carry out an Acts 2 uh, biblical philosophy? Um, we all realize that everybody's got to bring in money somehow. I mean, they've got a job. They have full-time vocation. Um, and they come home, and they've got chores to do in our culture. They have things to do. They have family that are priority, and so on and so on. Uh, you know, the best answer to that, uh, Jason, is what is the word you use three times, devoted. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, because we're not in career or full-time ministry doesn't mean we can't be part of an Acts, an Acts 2 um, uh, platform for, for just living church. Yeah. Um, and we've noticed here, Mom and I, that uh, that um, loads of, of volunteers from Sailorville Church are in, are involved and on the team uh, of of these church planners. Uh, so you go back to to trying to answer your question. Um, it, it is fundamental. It's mm. really basic. Uh, how am I living the Christian life? Part of that Christian life scenario that we're to be living is, is to walk with Christ, ah. to love him, to be compassionate, to be passionate about who he is and how, and how to share that with others. So um, there are times where a, a full-time Christian that's involved with a secular uh, a vocation can certainly be Christ-like yeah. and more like Jesus every day at at that secular job yeah. um, and then come home and as we have seen in your neighborhood and your community love these people to death mm -hmm. and and enjoy being around them and and be intentional about sharing the gospel sharing your love with them so just because you're not in career ministry doesn't mean you can't be part of an ongoing uh, biblical movement called church planning or or uh, in, in your present church, such as Sailorville. Yeah. You know, one of the aspects that we love here at Sailorville, Mom and I have taught, uh, chatted about many, many times, is the worship. Mm. Worship motivates. Look at Isaiah chapter 6. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you couldn't get any more worshipful <laughs> or the act of worshiping. When heaven opens in Isaiah... Uh, the son, uh, prince himself, um, soft hands, and looks up to heaven and sees God and all the cherubims uh, and, and the holy, holy, holy. And then God, uh, as, he, as he worships him, then God hits him. Uh, who's going to go for us? Mm -hmm. Who's going to do this ministry for us? And it, was, it wasn't at all difficult for Isaiah to say, send me, mm. I'm ready to go. Mm. Why? Because I will represent the God that I just saw. 
sitting on his throne. And I will worship him by living for him. And for Isaiah, it was a type of career ministry. But anybody can do that. Anybody that knows the Lord Jesus can worship, particularly on a Sunday morning. But I have to you worship every day, every day in your personal worship time. And then and then you go out. And whether it's sharing the gospel or whether you're praying or whether you're leading or teaching or going to that secular work, you can be who God wants you to be. Mm. And you can be 100% full-time into being uh, a Jesus follower yeah. and and living for him and being, being wow. an example. Yeah, I, I think you said worship is a motivator. So my relationship with with Jesus, my relationship with God motivates me to um, to share that with others. Oh yeah. It, it, the deeper my relationship, the the more I love, the um, the more I worship, the the purer my commitment to Christ. The more I'm motivated to share that yeah. with others. The smaller I see God, the, sm- the the smaller part my relationship with Jesus has, uh, the less I will be prone to want to share that with mm-hmm. other people. Mm-hmm. So we can be full time worshipers. Mm-hmm. no matter what we do for for a living right yeah. that's a real and idea. and as you uh, as you have stated that it, it the more you worship biblically the more you will will not sin if i can say that yeah. so boldly uh the more you fall in love with him yeah. the more you want to live with him yeah. live for him romans 12 1 and 2 you begin to leave uh sin aside and you, you don't have to you don't have to constantly be dragging it around, and and that will mm. that will help your growth and, and help you share the gospel. And so I've, on. I've been struck by just reading through this passage again um, several times over the the last few weeks, uh, Acts chapter two. You know, very few of these people in this early church were what we might consider full time staff, full time pastors, full time missionaries, full time you know, children's workers oh, yeah. or, or right. whatever, you know, we, we've got all these titles here mm-hmm. in our Western mm-hmm. church and, and we need them in a sense, but very few of these in the early church were what we might consider like paid ministers, you know, all of them came to the temple and then went back home and, yeah. and worked. Yeah. And, and some of them were even kicked out of their jobs and mm-hmm. out of their families. And it's mm-hmm. part of why they desperately needed each other. But this is not a, this is not a church full of vocational, full-time vocational paid mm-hmm. people. This mm-hmm. is like every other church in the world should be, Amen. Um, yeah. you know, uh, uh, built up from the ground up um, from godly people that God has called mm-hmm. to do ministry, some of them paid and some of them unpaid, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I didn't ask you about this uh, before, but um, but I've been able to sit with you and mom on Sunday mornings here the last several several months and since you moved here from Ohio. Um, and you're showing a little bit of this even right now, and I'm not sure how much we can see on, on the camera, but uh, one of the things that I've loved about you, Dad, is in this, especially in musical worship, you know, you, and again, I haven't, say, I haven't talked to you about this and didn't set you up for this, right? But especially when we start singing about heaven, it, it always seems to affect you in a, in a different way than it affects most others. And it's an emotional thing for you, and it's a like just talk about that. Why is that such a worshipful time topic yeah. idea for you? Yeah, and that's not a put on. I hope I hope you're 
realize that. But um, I'm an emotional fella anyway, uh, as you know. And what grips me is uh, in our worship songs and our hymns and our spiritual songs together, uh, it, my, my mind goes back to how faithful God has been to mom and I and our family all these years, how faithful he has been. Uh, mom and I talk about this occasionally. Um, I shouldn't be sitting here. There are five, five times in our lives, and you were there, one or two of them, where uh, we, we easily could have died. Mm. I mean, um, and, but God has kept us all. So he's been faithful. Mm. He's been faithful. And yeah, I, I miss people. I miss you guys when we're not around you and we lived other places. And that helps motivate us to get out here to be with our kids and our grand, grandchildren. So when I think of heaven, which is a blink away, mm. if you know what I mean, um, it, that becomes uh, an emotional um, aspect of my life. And it's a sense as, as if I'm, <clears throat> as I've shared in teaching and mentoring, it's, it's like Jesus come up, says, come up and sit on my lap. Hmm. And uh, we go up and we sit on his lap and we pull, the, pull what's on his face and we play with his ears. <laughs> and, you know, that, that passage over and over, uh, let the little children come come unto me and just to be with him uh, is 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 incredible so that will all happen someday and until then we we rejoice and we worship him and we love him for who he has been to us the old testament says every time you remember what jehovah has done for you you are worshiping him so whenever they read whenever they had their holidays whenever they prayed together they always remembered what God did, and they worshipped uh, Him at that time because simply because they remembered. So that's a. Um, it, it's it's like I'm standing in heaven when we're here and we worship uh, here at Sailorville or usually wherever else we yeah. go. It, it's that much of an impact on us. I think that's just a really great reminder, and and maybe just a maybe just a a, a really solid but simple takeaway for maybe somebody watching this today or later on um how how much are you looking forward to heaven first Amen. of all are, are you going to be there right yeah, uh, yeah only sure. believers god yeah. has uh, sent jesus to be born to live to die to be resurrected um for yeah. our sins for yeah. us that's the gospel mm-hmm. and what i love that jesus is doing right now is preparing a place for his family uh, to come and be with him when yeah. he com- when he comes to Amen. get us. So are are you going to be there? Are you part of God's family? Yeah. Are you a, are you a believer? Um, and then are you looking forward to heaven? How often do you mm-hmm. think about heaven? Because like you said, it's a it's a blink away, and um, man, we get so caught up in this earthly life mm-hmm. uh, that sometimes we forget about heaven. So, mm-hmm. hey, Dad, tell tell everybody maybe just a, a, an encouragement to the church what Compass twenty eight nineteen is. Uh, you're not retired. I mean, you're out here no. uh, with no. mom. Uh, but still working uh, on in and and for a mission agency that you co-founded several years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so just briefly tell us what Compass twenty eight nineteen is and how it helps churches with discipleship. Our motto or slogan for Compass twenty eight nineteen is discipleship through short term ministry trips or missions. Yeah. So our focus is on discipleship. 
taken right from Matthew 28, 19. Hmm. Uh, Compass uh, is, we're here to help navigate. We're here to direct. And 28, 19 is what we're, what, what Christians are here for is to disciple people. So uh, we've been doing that same thing, discipleship, through short-term ministry for about 38 years, and you were part of that in South Africa even. We had multiple teams from churches and colleges and universities that would come over uh, to South Africa, and the more uh, it swelled, the more we could see God's hand in short-term ministries in terms of discipling. But not until we returned to the States in 2000, uh, in 1995, but 2012, we finally put a, a label on it, Compass 29, so we're a 501c3 organization, a parachurch organization, and we have been <clears throat> for years um, creating or engineering teams from colleges, mm-hmm. uh, internships, uh, individuals, churches, that have either a burden and come to us and say, can you help us for a week or to two years? Uh, or we put put the seed in, in their hearts mm-hmm. uh, and uh, they they respond. So we physically, in person, have been doing that for years. Just recently, a year this last June, our board uh, back in, uh, we're, we have board members everywhere, but where we were living in Cleveland, the board issued... A, a, a different direction for a mom and I and, and, and Compass 2819, and that is to go virtual. Mm-hmm. So you're right, we're not retired, but we're not doing uh, in-person trips anymore. So I'm, I'm every day working on podcasting, um, I'm writing, um, I'm, I'm writing literature regarding um, how to do this, and we have eight modules that will be coming out at the end uh, by the end of September that help uh, uh, church leaders or uh, campus leaders that want to take a team yeah. uh, of any number to to anywhere in the in in the world. So we have uh, leadership modules. We get into the nuts and bolts of of how to do that, and we have that all on on our website, but we'll be coming out more and more with podcasts and Facebook and yeah. stuff like yeah. that. So, so discipleship through short-term missions primarily. The, the la- these stats may be a little bit outdated, but the last I, I heard, 80% of full-time yeah. missionaries on the field, yeah. wherever they are, uh, went on some kind yeah. of short-term missions yeah. trip when you know before mm-hmm. they got to the career field, right? So mm-hmm. 80%... If not more today. ...went yeah. on some kind mm-hmm. of trip. So really, really important if, if God is leading you that direction. Um, great experience to go on yeah. one of those trips. Um, not to mention all of the couples that went out, non-couples that are now, because they went on the trip, <laughs> are now married and have kids and think ministry or, or missional. So also a side benefit is you could meet your future spouse <laughs> exactly. on a missions trip, which maybe some of you have done. So yeah. it's a mission agency and a dating service. Yeah. Uh, Compass <laughs> 2819, there you go. That's right. Uh, the other stat was that um, many of those that are choosing to follow God's calling into full-time ministry uh, the average age is somewhere like in the 40s right mm-hmm. now, uh, mm-hmm. maybe early 30, 40s. So 40, there yeah. you go. So I think the assumption is that these are all kids that just come out of high school mm-hmm. and want some kind of adventure, and so they're going into missions. 
Um, but uh, a lot of them are, are sort of that, that bell yeah. curve kind of average age in our mm-hmm. communities that are saying, man, I've, I've been doing something for you know, 10, 12, 15, 20 years now, and I'd, I'd, like, I'd like to give it a go and run hard till the end. And so maybe mm-hmm. I'm in my 40s and I believe God's mm-hmm. got a different direction for mm-hmm. me. And again, whether that's full-time missions or ministry or, or just walking Serving, across the road. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And serving as a part of your church or in your neighborhood or just loving people in your community, right? Um, right. That's that's that worship mm-hmm. motivator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Hey, this has been a little bit different. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit of a, a different kind of podcast for maybe some that have have watched and listened um, regularly here to the Say the Real podcast, but. It's been fun. It's been cool. Is this to... going to continue at supper tonight? Yeah, exactly. This is basically we're sitting around the coffee table right now, and uh, we're just having a conversation. You folks just had, this is exactly how it goes. Actually, we do a lot of laughing, a lot of telling yeah. stories, and uh, hopefully a lot of little growing. ice cream tonight. Yeah, we'll, we definitely we definitely have the ice cream, uh, which we're missing here today. But yeah. thanks for thanks for being a part of this. Um, watchers, listeners, uh, community, and uh, this has been special for me yeah. and. Um, if you'd like to get a hold of, of my dad and, and maybe even sit down with him while, mm. while you're here and while somebody's here in our immediate community, um, you can do that through our church yeah. website and stuff, yeah. of course, or contact me. But uh, we'd love to connect you with some people. Sure. And thanks for encouraging mm. us on the Acts 2 stuff again. Mm. And um, We love having you here while yeah. you're here. And my moving, pleasure. Moving in a little joy. bit. What a joy. Yeah, what a joy. So. Thanks, Dad. Great. Hey, can I can I pray? We yeah. don't do that often or, or always, at least on this podcast. But, Love to, uh, yeah, please. It'd be fun. Mm-hmm. Lord, thank you for what you've you've done all over the world for Amen. your glory, mm-hmm. Lord. From a, just a long, long, long time ago, mm-hmm. even before Acts two, you you started all this um, way back at the beginning of mm-hmm. of what we know as history. Uh, you promised that there would be someone who would crush the head of the serpent, yeah. of the snake, mm-hmm. and that was your son Jesus uh, in his death and resurrection. And we want to live in in that light. We, we want to uh, live because of that. Amen. We want to also be victorious over sin because of uh, Christ's victory over sin in the grave. And, and we get to do that, Lord. It's uh, just an amazing thing that you've uh, allowed us to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, Thanks for those all over the world that are uh, sharing Christ, that are clocking in and clocking out at, at, at day mm. jobs and, and being a witness there Amen. in salt and light. And, mm. and then also for some that get paid to, to do what we might call ministry, Lord. Uh, you, you've called some to that and you've called some to other things. And whether that's walking across the road or, or just p- poking our head over the cubicle or maybe just having a conversation at the lunch table, uh, Lord, we, we all need to be about that. Uh, we need to be evangelists. We need to be reaching out. We need yeah. to be salt and light. And uh, that's our goal personally, individually, and as a church, I pray to to be more like Jesus and, and to make others more like Jesus as much as we know how. Lord, thanks for this conversation and for what you might bring because of this conversation in the future. In your precious and holy name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Dad. Great. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you to your friends. Thank you.